All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're really uh, uh, good, glad to be with you here today. What Josh mentioned earlier, uh, things are different today. We're doing some things uh, different than we've done. And uh, this time, uh, our teaching time is definitely different today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh and I have been sharing the uh, uh, Bible teaching and preaching in the church over the last number of, uh, over the last year, pretty much uh, since uh, yeah. uh, Josh and Elsie became part of our ten church months. family. Ten months. Ten and months. We, <laughs> it's, been, it's been good. Yeah. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. We've been kind of taking turnabout a week or two at a time. And, and uh, so our styles are different. Our uh, personalities are different because we're, we're all different. Um, uh, I'm 60, you're 30. So we represent two <laughs> different generations. Yes. Um, uh, you're six foot four and I'm not. That's correct. <laughs> as, as you can see in the shot. <laughs> but it's been, it's been interesting. And, I, and, and uh, the thing that, that I always c- come back to that I, I really want people to realize is that uh, it's the content of the scriptures that matter. And that's mm-hmm. what is ultimately important. And we're always in danger as a culture. We're always in danger of uh, uh, getting caught up in, in the appearance of things, especially in these days with yes. media the way it is and sound bites. And Social media is fun, isn't it? It's uh, fun for you. For me, it's just, <laughs> a, just a complete challenge. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and I and I just I, I fear sometimes that that people will uh, take the focus off of the content and put it more on packaging, yeah. and and lose the lose the um, the awareness mm. that is the content, and that's especially true when it comes to what what we do when yeah. we're dealing with scripture. And it can be such a temptation, you know, you want to grab people's attention right off the bat, yeah. so you focus more on the production yeah. than the content. Like you yeah, said. and it's the, ultimately the material, the uh, biblical material that matters. And so today uh, is, uh, is uh, a time when we want to dig into uh, a passage of Scripture. And uh, so let's, let's pray. I, I, wanna, I just want to pray and ask uh, the Lord to... Help us focus on the content today mm-hmm. of, the, of the material. So, Lord, we're just grateful for this opportunity. I thank you for Josh, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, uh, he, he's committed to uh, your word and uh, that together we can uh, have the privilege of, of teaching and sharing your word as pastors um, and um, as leaders in your church. And today, Lord, as we dig into... Uh, this passage, uh, we pray that you would be our teacher and that you would lead us, open up our, our minds and our understanding, help us to get from this passage, the content of, of your word today, what you would have us to have uh, for our hearts and lives today and moving forward in our lives for you. We just commit this time to you and thank yes. you for your word and for the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives in Jesus' thank name. You. Amen. Amen. So today, we, the passage we are in is Luke chapter 17. Yes. Why? Why did, why did the curriculum take such a big jump? I, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> but we are going to be going back, I believe, in the curriculum. But we're doing the Gospel Project. We're doing a three-year journey through the Bible. We've gone through the Old Testament. We're into the New Testament. We're talking about the life and ministry of Jesus. Last week... We were in John chapter 4. I said Luke chapter 4 earlier in the service, but it was John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And now we're all the way in Luke 17. 
So from my study, I think we've jumped two years of Jesus' earthly least, ministry. Yeah, at least, yeah. Now it's 30 AD, so we've skipped all those miracles, all that teaching, all of the disciples have been called and are with them at this point. And Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it starts off with a journey to Jerusalem. And that's Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem to die. It's the Passion Week. All the disciples are with him. He has the last supper with them. He's betrayed in the garden. He's crucified. So we've made a big jump chronologically. And I think in the weeks to come, we're going to go back and pick up some of that content that we've jumped over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've made a big jump. I'm not necessarily sure why, but the storyline today is an exciting one to dig into. That's going to be good. Yeah. So why don't we read through it, and then we'll dig into it. Sounds good. So Luke chapter 17, if you have your copy of the scriptures, we read from the English Standard Version when we preach. There are a lot of great versions out there. We believe the English Standard Version is one of the best versions of scripture, so your version might have a little bit of different language in there, but it's the same content, the word of God, inspired in the original languages. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, here's what it says. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, original social distancing right there, Mm -hmm. you notice that? Mm Mm-hmm. Verse 13, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, which is a nice little twist in the story that we're going to dig into. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. All right, we're going to jump back to verse 11 and then we're going to dig in. Um, Sounds good. I mentioned that Jesus is on his final journey to Jerusalem. And there's a verse that I love in the Gospel of Luke that we're digging into It's Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. And it says this, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Mm, He he resolutely made that decision that now he's on his final journey to Jerusalem. He's going to fulfill the purpose why he was sent to earth. He came to die for our sins. And so he's on that journey. And our motto here at Faith Baptist Church is... Share the journey. Share the journey. I'm glad you got that right. That'd be kind of embarrassing. (laughs) That would be embarrassing. (laughs) But as Jesus is on this journey, he has all these conversations. He takes time to meet with people, to heal people, to perform miracles, to teach, to feed the multitudes as he's on this journey. So he takes the opportunity to share the journey. And I think that's a key principle for us. And as he's passing along between, some versions say, the region between Samaria Mm. and Galilee, which is kind of known as no man's land. I mean, the Jews don't want to cross the tracks to the other side. The Samaritans don't want to cross the tracks to the other side. And you talked about that a little bit last week, that that prejudice Hmm. between the Jews Uh and the Samaritans. And I'm thinking, Jesus is on a journey. He's in no man's land. He's passing between two areas. He's getting to his destination. I think about this whole COVID-19, what we used to know, the new normal. We're kind of in transition too. We're in the land in between. What's life going to look like Mm -hmm. on the other side? 
But here we see an entire story of where Jesus took an opportunity to minister, to heal, to serve people, to perform a miracle in the land in between, the region between on the journey. Yeah. And I like that picture. I wonder how many of us have been just trying to wait out Corona. Hmm. And when we, mm-hmm. when we get back to normal or whatever new normal looks like, then Jesus, here's what we're going to do for you or here's how we're going to serve. And Jesus mm. shows that on the journey in the land in between, there's ministry to be done. So you talked last week about Samaritans and the issues that Jews had with them. Could you touch on that just a little bit? I could. <laughs> there's so much there because there's so much history there, right? Between yeah. the peoples and, and uh, going way back. And that's what, part of what I tried to, to convey a little bit last week uh, when we were in John 4 there, the woman at the well. It was, you know, all, the, all that history. And, yes. Uh, it's, it's easy for us just to dismiss history, but, right. uh, you know, it's like when somebody hurts your family or something like that, you know, so you just need to forgive them and move on. Well, yeah. that's easier said than done. Yes. And so there was a lot of back and forth between these two groups, a lot of animosity. And certainly uh, the, the Jewish people were uh, prone, especially the, the leaders and the rabbis and whatnot, were prone to uh, look down on the Samaritans. Uh, they weren't... Uh, they were compromisers, and you know they they weren't uh, as as uh, they weren't as Jewish as they should have been, mm. and um, but the animosity went both ways because the Samaritans uh, really had. Uh, um, I mentioned last week that even one of the things that they would do is lay in wait and ambush pilgrims on the road and, and kill them, and yeah. which which really shines a whole different light on the story of the Good Samaritan. Yes, where the Good Samaritan is the hero who. You know, that's. I was thinking about the story of the Good Samaritan, and the title in and of itself is an oxymoron to their culture, Mm -hmm. right? A Samaritan who's good. Like, that would just fly in the face of what Jewish culture believed in that. Absolutely. So, there's a lot of bad blood between the two. As I was studying out some of the history, you know, the Assyrians took over Samaria, and the Jews who were left intermarried, and you have this mixed breed that you were talking about, and that report with that big title. <laughs> Don't ask you me to say that without my notes. <laughs> but Alan Guinan has read that yeah. report. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, but as the ones who were let off captive, the Jews who stayed intermarried, and you have this mixed race, and then the Jews come back from captivity. They want to rebuild the temple, but they don't want to let the Samaritans help them. So the Samaritans build their own temple. And then there's this back and forth. I read that a hundred years before Jesus was born, the Jews destroyed that Samaritan temple. That's correct. And then around the time that Jesus is born, the Samaritans defiled the Jewish temple by throwing human bones, I think it was, into their temple. So there's this back and forth yeah. and back and forth. Yeah. So this is really no man's land. Nobody, none of the Jews want to go into Samaria, and the Samaritans know not to step foot on Jewish soil. But just like the story last week, um, I think where Jesus met with the woman at the well was Sychar, the city. Or Sychar, so, yeah. Sychar, right in the middle of Samaria. Mm-hmm. So he traveled right mm-hmm. through the middle. And typically Jews would cross over the Jordan to be in Judea, I think the land was over there. Or, or Perea. Perea. And so they'd cross over so that they didn't have to travel through Samaria. Here Jesus is. Yeah walking on that border. He's defying the religious conventions of the day. Yeah. No question. And I think about our modern day and what we're seeing. I mean, you've heard the no- news about George Floyd and his murder down in Absolutely. Minneapolis. Yeah. The protests that are happening around the world, the riots. Um, some protests are peaceful. Some protests are violent. 
And I think about our current context. Um, I think about how First Nations people were treated. I think about mm -hmm. 1755, mm -hmm. the expulsion of the Acadians and all their homes burned and kicked out of the land. Um, I think about all the minority groups that we have here in Canada, because Canada is like mm -hmm. a, a melting pot of all these different cultures into what makes up Canadian culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to make it clear today that we, we don't stand for racism, we don't stand for prejudice, we know God doesn't stand for that. Um, we preached just a few weeks ago, I was telling the story of Nicodemus, in John 3.16, God loves the world, yeah. there's no exclusions yeah. there. Whosoever believes, there's no exclusions there. And we talked about Jesus' ministry when he read the scroll of Isaiah, how he came to heal broken hearts, set the captives free. And Jesus' ministry is for people. And if we're going to preach that, we need to live that, right? Mm -hmm. If we're going to believe that as a church, that God is for people, therefore we need to be for people, love our neighbor as ourself. Absolutely. Then when we're out there in Truro, when we're around different people groups, people who speak different languages, have different skin color, different gender identity. We need to serve those people mm -hmm. and love mm -hmm. those people just like Jesus loved people. Yeah. Verse 12, as he entered a village, I'm not sure what village that was, uh, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. I made the comment social distancing. Uh, tradition says, I don't know if you came across the same thing, but they were to stand a hundred paces away, which is a lot more than six feet, a lot yeah. more than, <laughs> yeah. than uh, two meters. So here's Jesus entering the city. All of the lepers are gathered there. There's a group of 10 of them, and they're outside the city because that was the law. That's right. Yeah. Um, leprosy. I wanted to make a joke about leopards because I, I hear so many people hear that term and think that pastors are talking about leopards. Right. Like the big cat. Because the leprosy as a disease has been pretty much... Uh, I know it still exists, but yeah. we have medicine now that can treat leprosy. Exactly. And so we, we don't have a, a lot of that. But in Jesus' day, it was very common. Yes. And it was kind of like a, a blanket term for a number of different mm. skin diseases, wasn't it? And if you read through Leviticus chapter 13, you hear of all the symptoms that are listed there. God's talking to the Israelites as they're traveling through the wilderness. And you think a contagious disease would be terrible as they're living in tents, mm. traveling as a community, mm. maybe a couple million of them through the wilderness. So they had to be, really be careful. Uh, but in Leviticus 13, it lists white spots, red spots, raw flesh, boils, swelling that spreads, hair that discolors or falls out, itching, irritated, deep in the skin. That mm. sounds really mm -hmm. pleasant, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. Uh, Leviticus chapter 13. I want to read a, a verse or two here for you. When, when people first saw skin irritations, they were supposed to go to the priest. Right. And then the priest would look at what that skin irritation was, and they would decide, is it bad enough that you need to go into quarantine, or can I give yeah. you a clean bill of health? So if it was bad enough, he'd send them into a seven-day quarantine, check with them after seven days. If it had recessed, they could go back right. into culture, into society, family, friends. If it had gotten any worse or hadn't changed, another seven-day quarantine. So a 14-day quarantine, which is currently what our government's yep. telling us <laughs> if we cross the border and come back on a personal trip, 14-day quarantine. But after that quarantine, if it hadn't um, resolved the situation, then they were to follow some of these guidelines. Here's what they are. Leviticus 13, verse 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. 
I think that's because they didn't have labels or lanyards, right? right. So that's how you identify yeah. them. Torn clothes, yeah. loose hair. And this is the part I liked. And he shall cover his upper lip, because they didn't have surgical masks, I assume, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Yeah. Yeah. I just think about how advanced the Bible is. Like, when did, when did society come out with surgical masks or the idea that you could cover your mouth and protect from germs? And here it is way back in Leviticus. Yeah, I think it was like the eight, uh, 18th century or 19th century. Yeah. Before even the, the, the understanding of, uh, of germs. Right. Right. <laughs> so here's God telling ancient yeah. Israel as they're wandering through the wilderness, cover your mouth. Yeah. Because that's unclean, unclean. Verse 46. Yeah. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. What a label to be given. Unclean. Mm -hmm. How would that affect everything in life to be known as unclean and have to announce that? He is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Because as the mm -hmm. Israelites are traveling through the wilderness, I mean, if they had a rampant, contagious disease, that would be mm -hmm. really detrimental. Mm -hmm. So they sent them outside the camp. So here we see these lepers outside the city, and Jesus is walking through, and he's met by these 10 lepers. They're probably bagging outside the city, standing 100 paces away so as to not infect the passersby. Verse 13. And they lifted up, or they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They lifted up their voices. Uh, one, one commentator mentioned that some of those leprous diseases could affect the vocal cords. So I think of this picture. Potentially, these gentlemen are trying to yell with hoarse, mm. scratchy voices mm. because of the diseases mm. that they're infected with. And I just want to say that we don't need to shout to get God's attention. He's, he's already called out to invite us. And here these, here these men are shouting to get Jesus' attention. And they're saying, master, leader, teacher, authority figure, have mercy on us. And that term for have mercy is one Greek word, and it's an action word. It's a verb. So they're saying, don't just feel bad for us. Do something right. about it. Do something to help right. us. And I think as a church, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it's one thing to feel bad about what's going on around the world. It's another thing mm -hmm. to do something about it. And here they are crying out to Jesus, do something for mm -hmm. us. Verse 14, here's where the story changes when Jesus gets involved. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, which was the law, right? According to Leviticus 13, yep. they had to show themselves to the priests if there was any improvement in their skin. And I, I love his command, go and show First of all, because it rhymes, which is great. I mean, if you're a preacher and you can use rhymes or alliteration, there you go. You have to use it. So he says, go and show. You know what I would be thinking if I was one of those lepers? I would be thinking, Jesus, you show us and mm -hmm. then we'll go, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we, we, maybe they used to be a group of 11 or 12, and Ricky there, you remember Ricky the leper? Well, he decided he was feeling better, so he went to show himself to the priest, and we haven't heard from him again, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, we yeah. are risking a lot here, Jesus, so why don't you show us, yeah. and then we'll go. Yep, absolutely. And it doesn't yep. say in the text, maybe there was more conversation there, but it doesn't say that Jesus said, okay, I'll break it down for you. Here's what's going to happen. You take three steps, yeah. right. and then on the third step towards the priest, then you'll experience cleansing from your disease right. and then you'll yeah. know right 
He doesn't say that. He just says, go and show. Reminds me of uh, Old Testament Israel when they get, get to the Jordan from the wilderness crossing yes. the promised land. It wasn't until their feet touched into the water that God pulled right. part of the waters there. So. Those steps of faith, yeah. those acts of obedience, and then God worked. Mm. And I wonder how many of us are sitting at home in this time and just praying for a miracle, asking for a miracle, mm. wanting God to work, mm -hmm. and God's saying, if you would just take a step, if you mm. would just show some faith. Mm -hmm. It's like that old adage or illustration of um, God can't steer a parked vehicle, mm. right? It's got to be moving. So a step of faith, and then God was going to work. But they didn't know that. They just heard the command, go and show. And I looked up those Greek terms. Go is the Greek term poros, which is, which is translated as Ford. Not like a Ford Focus or a Ford F-150, but it's a shallow water crossing, yes. like a yep. bridge or like a doorway. It's more transition in a transitional mm. text. Everybody's on a journey. So Jesus is telling them, here's the doorway, go. And then he says show, which is this really neat Greek compound word. And I want to see if I can say this right. Epideconomi. Did you know that? No, but that sounds right. <laughs> Does that that sound sounds right? like Greek to me. <laughs> Actually, I was speaking somewhere and there was a Greek student in the audience and we had a conversation <laughs> after the service, but you never know who's listening. Epideconomi. So epi means on or upon or over. And dikonomai means to exhibit or to expose. Okay. And when I read that Greek word, epidikonomai, I thought of epidermis, yeah. which is the outer skin. layer of yeah. skin, which is where these guys' yes. main visible issue would be. So Jesus is saying, go and show. He's saying, here's the bridge, here's the doorway. Expose yeah. your outer layer. Yeah. Show it off. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, and I was praying through it and thinking... Jesus is inviting these guys to embrace their most visible issue mm -hmm. that's affecting mm -hmm. their lives, mm -hmm. what they believe in the deepest way. Admit your biggest issue, come to terms with mm -hmm. it, embrace it, embrace your weakness, and then you'll see my strength. Mm. Here's the invitation. Come face to face mm -hmm. with your issue and realize your need for a savior. It's only when we yep. embrace our weakness that we can experience Jesus' strength. Yeah. Yeah, that whole issue of uh, awareness or honesty, be, you know, owning, owning uh, the truth of, about ourselves, yeah. uh, all of that, confession, um, humil humbling ourselves, it all ties mm. in there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could get into predestination, election, and chicken before the egg and all that, <laughs> but we're talking about steps of faith to experience salvation. Mm. God's already offered it to us. We need to receive it. We need to take a step of faith. And I see these guys, they go to show themselves to the priest. Verse 14, as they went, as they were on that journey, as they were taking their steps, they were cleansed. I wonder what that would look like. Hmm. I think about, um, was it Moses' sister Miriam in the tent of meeting and yes. puts her hand in the cloak and it comes out leprous or... I think I'm getting two stories, getting two stories mixed stories up confused, there. But yeah. as they're yeah. walking, would they just notice like their skin getting better, the itchiness stopping, the, the swelling going down? Like, mm. what would that feel like? Or possibly even looking at each other and going, hey, yeah. Bob, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you, look, you look better, man. <laughs> exactly. Something's going on here. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder how far they got in the journey before they realized that they had been cleansed. I picture just like a few steps, but 
potentially they were a long ways down the road towards the city. And then it says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. Maybe it was the voice that was healed that triggered, like, Mm. my voice isn't scratchy anymore. Mm. Maybe that leprous disease had affected Mm. his voice, now he could shout. Uh, That term loud means large, great, in the wildest sense. When was the last time that you thanked God with a wild, loud shout, right? There have been a few times, maybe alone in my office or driving in the car, and you just like unleash what you're feeling back to God, right? And this guy shouts with the loudest, wildest voice Mm. because he's been healed. And he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. He's no longer practicing social distancing. He's probably, you know, clinging to Jesus, Mm -hmm. giving him thanks, which is the Greek term eucharistos, meaning good grace. He's giving God back what God has richly blessed Mm -hmm. him with. And then it ends with, now he was a Samaritan. The, The least likely place from that gratitude to come, and it comes from the Samaritan. I love that. But you were pointing out when we were talking through this passage, there's some terms in there for healing, for being cleansed, and there's some different meanings behind them. Mm. There's a lot of depth mm-hmm. to that. So I would love to hear what you have to say, digging into some of those things. Yeah, the um, the the ten were were healed. The ten were cleansed. Um, the passage is, is, you know, that's really clear there. Um, and, but when the one returns and, as you said, um, you know, throws himself down at the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. in gratitude for the healing that he had received, um, Jesus um, uh, responded to him. Uh, and he uses a term there uh, when he says in, in verse uh, uh 19, uh, he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Mm. And that term, that's the uh, English standard version, um, made you whole. I think some versions have or whatnot. But, uh, but the, word, the Greek word sozo is uh, the word that can mean either uh, healed or saved or delivered. Yeah. And it's used in both ways. Uh, for both, for bo- you know, depending on the context, and here uh, it, it's it's encouraging us. I think it's encouraging us to see that this man, ex- what this man experienced, this one man went way beyond what the other nine experienced. Mm. That their experience, to quote one commentator, uh, in the end was only skin deep. Oh, I like that. Right, but that this man experienced more than than. Uh, cleansing. He he experienced more than the resolution of his perceived immediate problem. Uh, he experienced uh, what the the word often is um, translated as salvation. Yes, he was saved. So if we read it that way, you know, it's your faith has has saved you, mm. and his, so his experience went far beyond. The, the nine, because they didn't return. Yeah. You know, they... Well, it goes back to the point that you've made a number of times about how physical healing pales in comparison to spiritual healing or the, the totality of healing. Yeah, I think, that the, I think that this idea is really central to the text because the thing that, one of the things that stood out to me as we, you know, studied this passage was how um, when the man comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet, Jesus... Um, 
uh, begins to, to speak, but when he speaks, he doesn't speak to the man. He mm. speaks about the man. He calls him a stranger or foreigner, but he asks uh, three questions, and those three questions are, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner or the stranger? And that's a, the, in verse 17 and verse 18. And, and uh, anytime we have questions from the mouth of Jesus in Scripture, it's always a good idea to study those questions yeah. because he was the master. And, and uh, his questions uh, are so important. And, but, but, the, but the question we need to ask ourselves first is, who is he talking to? He's not talking to the man at his feet because he's talking about the man at his feet. And, of course, if we, as we read this, we, we realize, I hope we can realize, he was talking to his disciples. Yes. As you pointed out earlier, Josh, they've been with him now for going on three years. And, and what we had been, we had been uh, looking at passages uh, up till now, they were just really getting on, on the road with Jesus. Right. And they were just starting to learn uh, about him and from him and, and in relationship with him. And, but now they've had years of walking with him and listening to him and learning from him. They were, they were, they were his followers. He had called them to follow. And a, a follower or a disciple is, a, is a, a, a learner, a student who attaches himself to the master as a sort of apprentice of life. Mm. And so they've been learning and listening, but they, have, they still have so much to learn, and he's still teaching them. And so he turns, as it were, to them, and he says, where are the nine? Yeah, which is so interesting, because I think a difficulty for a lot of people, I know it is for me when I'm studying through a passage, is to put myself in the context of that passage. Because when I read it, I just think about the characters listed. But obviously there's disciples with them. There's probably other people traveling on the road. They're right next to a, a city, it says. They're entering into a village. So mm -hmm. there's probably people around. It's probably more of a picture than most of us are envisioning. Yeah, that's right. And, and to, to identify with the characters in the, who are real people. These are, real, these are people yeah. just like us, and we need to identify with them. We need to identify with, the, with those nine lepers. We, we need to identify with that one, and we need to identify with the disciples who are seeing this all unfold. Here's a, you know, another day on the road with Jesus. What's he going to do today, and what's he going to teach us today? What are we going to learn today? And here he, he uses the question, where are the nine? And, you know, uh, we call ourselves followers of Jesus. Mm. If we are, then we need to identify with those disciples. And if we yeah. identify with those disciples, then Jesus is not just asking them, where are the nine? He's asking you and I, where are the nine? And he wouldn't ask us to think about that if he didn't want us to think about that. So when you think about that, where were they? Yeah. I, well, I mean, the priests seem to hold all control of their fate. If he gave them a clean bill of health and wrote clean on them, then they no longer had to cover their mouths. They no longer had to live outside. They no longer had to wear ripped clothes. They could go back to friends, family, work, all their hopes and dreams of what they thought life would be. I mean, it's pretty compelling to go live out your life, but only one of them turns around to thank Jesus. Yeah, I, I think that 
as I as I've thought about it, one of the things that's come to my mind is is like right now we're in a situation where we're dealing with COVID nineteen, and so we're mm -hmm. doing the physical distancing thing, and and we're and we're struggling with the the isolation and the fact that we can't our lives have been disrupted and we can't be together the way we want to, and it's yeah. it's not it's not like having leprosy, but it's not dissimilar in in that way. Yeah. And a lot of us, what are we thinking? We're thinking. I'll be so glad when this is over so I can get back to my life. Yes. I'll be so glad when I don't have this thing in my life anymore and I can go back to the way it was, you know? And but 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 this is the thing. What were their lives like before? We don't know, hmm. but maybe one of them was a thief. Maybe one of them was having an affair on his wife. Like, we yeah. really don't know what these lives, guys' lives are, were like. But, but one thing we do know, their lives weren't like they should have been, the way God wanted them to live. Mm. Otherwise, Jesus, and they weren't where they should be. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, where are they? Yeah. The implication is they are not where they should be. And if we think about that for a minute, they are not where they should be. They want the picture is of them going back, you know, the desire to go back. And so often in our lives, you know, we go along and, and we and we have a problem and we, and we think, oh, if we could just go back to the way it was before this problem. But maybe the way it was wasn't the way God wanted it to be. Yeah. You, you know, and so maybe, maybe they weren't living, maybe we weren't living the kind of Christ-centered lives that we should have been. Maybe we weren't living lives, um, maybe we're, we're, we're living lives that are, are, are distracted or, or, you know, doing the things that we want to do. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, amusing ourselves and, and possibly, and maybe even mistreating other people and, mm. and not living. And God doesn't want us to go back to that. Yeah. Where does he want us? I think he wants us at the feet of Jesus, you know, and, G and Jesus does say to him here, he says, uh, you know, go your way. So it's not like we're going to sit on clouds and play harps for all eternity, right. <laughs> but, but what does it mean to live a Christ-centered life? To live, you know, they, is this passage about gratitude? I, I really think it is, but I think it's about more than just, just gratitude. I think it's about worship. I think it's about a living a life in recognition of Jesus is my greatest need. A personal relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ, worshiping him, is really what my, my life needs to look like. Yeah. And I think that Jesus is wanting to teach his disciples that here. Again, showing them once again. And uh, because we're called to go. Mm. You know, where are the nine? <laughs> we need to call the nine. Hey, yes. they, you guys need to be here. You need to be in in the place where Jesus is the center of your life, mm. and worshiping Him and living like that. So, yes, that's something that's really struck me in in this in this passage. Hmm. I maybe there's more picture there in verse 15 where that one turns back. That that term "turn back" is mm. is like the term repentance. <laughs> he turns away from his old life. Maybe maybe it should uh, it should read he he turns around, or he turns forward 
the rest yeah. turned back to their old life, but the one who turned around, you know, repented of his old I life. I think so, because you look at the disciples. When Jesus called Peter and, and his brothers and his partners, what, you know, they were probably, where were they like an, an hour before that? They were s- sitting on the beach going, man, if we could just catch some fish, if we could just catch some fish. And then Jesus comes along and they have this, <laughs> you know, more fish than they could ever yeah. handle. And then they walk away from it. And here, it's like, if, if I could just get rid of this leprosy, if I could just go back, you know, and Jesus heals them. Yes. Yeah. But he wants their lives changed, right? Like, right. Yeah. I think so. I think that idea of repentance is there, that idea of confession and, 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 uh, and repentance and awareness and realization that Jesus is, needs to be the center of my life. Yeah. You, you mentioned where we see ourselves in the text and what characters that we identify with. And you made the comment we should be identifying with the disciples because we need to be followers of Jesus, learning from Jesus, being taught by Jesus. Um, maybe some identify with Jesus and that we need to be caring for the outcasts and the people in the margins of society. Maybe some identify mm. with that one mm. leper who returned and I need to be showing my gratitude to Jesus. I need to turn my life. But maybe some of us, um, maybe we really need to own up to how we've been living our life and maybe identify with somebody like the priest that we've been putting labels on people based on the law. Mm. And we've been labeling people clean and unclean, you know, worthy of God's love and unworthy of God's love. Maybe we need to um, label ourselves like the Jews who disdained the Samaritans and didn't Mm -hmm. want to cross borders. Maybe we should label ourselves as the nine who didn't return mm-hmm. and who were so focused on getting back to comfort, getting back to friends and family and society and what they thought their life should be. Maybe that's the application that some of us need to consider today. There's a lot of different applications in there, aren't there? Mm. Yeah. And all of those applications come from identifying with the characters in the text, in the yes. passage. And uh, I think we do need to identify with all of those different characters that that uh, have a role here because we are like them all in some ways in our lives, right? Mm. That law really jumped out at me. Reading through Leviticus 13 and all the necessary steps mm-hmm. they had to go through and then Jesus' command is to go show yourself to the priest. In the letter of that command, the nine who continued on to the priest are following Jesus' words of what he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And the one who returns to thank him is actually kind of disobeying the letter of Jesus' command, in a sense, isn't he? Because Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. He turned around partway and came back to Jesus. Probably disobeying the letter of the law as well, in in the sense that they hadn't been declared clean by by the priest, which is what the law said. And here he is throwing himself at Jesus' feet, which would be in violation. Uh, But there's another passage, uh, I forget which one of the gospel writers tells the story of Jesus healing a leprous man, and they end up, uh, you know... uh, uh, in very close proximity as well to one another after that. And uh, um, yeah, I, I think there is an element of that there yeah. where Jesus is, it's not the letter of the law. Jesus, uh, you know, he, he, he's the fulfillment of the law. And so, mm. you know, he talks about that. And if bit. we get yeah. too focused on the law and the rules, we can miss the heart of the message, mm-hmm. which is displayed by this man who turns back, throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Yes, and and by Jesus in 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 his uh, 
reception of the Samaritans and uh, and of of uh, those who were the untouchables of his day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think we need to try to wrap this up. Yes. So how would you? <laughs> that's not You're going to ask reason. me how I would I'm wrap it up. Ask you, yeah. Can you? Can you? Can you tell me what you feel like? Can you condense some of this down and put it in into uh, some mm. some takeaways? Yes. Well, the points that really hit me were um, the conversation between the culture of the Jews and the culture of the Samaritans and the prejudice between the two and how Jesus' mission and God's heart is for all people, all races, mm -hmm. all languages. And I think we need to take that to heart, especially in our current cultural context with all the protests and all of the conversation in the news mm -hmm. and the media, that if God is for all people, we need to be for all people. Right. And then that point about um, taking a step of faith before they experienced healing. Um, we need to be willing to take bold steps of faith towards God, knowing right. that he is Jehovah Jireh, yeah. the God who will provide, mm. and that he, he will provide our rescue. And then the point you made about those terms, um, how all ten were cleansed, but then the one that returned was made whole. He was rescued. He was yeah. saved. And that point that the spiritual miracle far outweighs any physical miracle you know we might be looking at our bank account we might be looking at our employment right. situation yep. we might be looking at whatever physical struggle we're in right now but the miracle of jesus gift that he offers of salvation eternal life forgiveness of sins a home in mm -hmm. heaven with god the father and mm -hmm. a relationship yeah. with him far outweighs any struggle we're going to face in this life yeah those are the main points that stick out to me yeah yeah, I think that um, we tend to, um, what's the word, settle. We tend to settle a lot in our lives. We're, a lot of times, even with, with, our, with our sin and with our brokenness, uh, at least we're comfortable with it. You know, we, we're, we're used to it. We know it. And uh, it's, it's not, you know, our lives might not be great, but, yeah. but they're, um, but, we kind of like them, and then along comes something that just seems to be preventing us from experiencing that kind of life, and we see it as the worst thing that could ever happen, and yet maybe it's the best thing that ever happened because maybe it, it's God's way of allowing circumstances to shine a light on the fact that, you know what, there's a whole lot more that we're missing, yeah. and what those nine men continued to miss out on mm. this one man found and it was a personal relationship with Christ and um, I think that's the thing that that stands out the most for me in the passage and um, and I think that that's uh, what he maybe part of what he wanted the disciples um, to really really get and what he wants us to really understand because the mission that we are on that's what we call people to right and if we can help mm. people if we can if we can help people to, to find healing, uh, you know, uh, that some ways that, that make their lives have less, less pain, less yeah. uh, discomfort, more, more comfort, then we should do that. But at, but at the same time, that's not the, the center of the mission we're on. We really want to see people reconciled to God, people that are experiencing a personal relationship with Christ that doesn't just help them now, but it's going to 
actually transform them from the inside out, yes. right? Yeah. And give them a, a home and for uh, and a relationship with with their their maker and their savior for all uh, all eternity. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's I think that's the thing that stands out the most to me. But uh, this has been good. I think we should talk more sometime in the future about the whole Samaritan thing and and the race thing that you brought up because. Um, there's so much, I think, in Scripture about the abuse of power and, yeah. and uh, um, uh, feelings of supremacy and, and arrogance and pride and lack of humility mm-hmm. and confession and acknowledgement of the common humanity we have. And the Bible teaches those things. I really would like for us to see us, to see us talk more about that down the road when we have more time because I think we're out of time, Josh. I think All we're right. pushing the limit. Um, why don't you... Uh, Take us, uh, take us to the to the finish line with, uh, take us before the Lord in prayer and pray for right. us and pray for people watching today. Would you do that? Yes, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this conversation with Steve. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Son Jesus Christ. Thank you for his ministry, even in this yes. story. Yes. That as he was on his journey, he took time to serve people. Um, those, those lepers bagging outside the city could have been viewed as a roadblock or a detour or something that would get in the way of Jesus' tight schedule and his mission of what he came to earth yeah. to do, but instead he stopped, he took the opportunity, and he served those men. And God, help us not to um, serve you, not to do ministry for the praise or the thanks of people. Um, here in this story, we see only one person came back to thank Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't necessarily do it for the thanks. And he showed his healing power. God, help us not to do it for the praise of people. Help us to do it for your glory, Father. Um, God, we pray for our communities. We pray for our nation. We pray for the states right now. We think of all that we're seeing in the news and the protests. And we think of the family of George Floyd and um, so many other videos that are popping up on social media in the last few months. And Uh, situations even here in our own country that people are are standing up for. God, we pray that there would be reconciliation. Father, we pray that that all men would be treated equal. As we know that we are all equal in your eyes, Father. God, if there is any prejudice in our heart, Father, help us to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that and to confess it and to move forward in your mission and your heart for people, God. Thank you for how you love the world and how you died to save Uh, everybody, and that offer is extended to everyone who would call in the name of the Lord Mm -hmm. can be saved. God, we pray that the message of the gospel would would penetrate people's hearts and minds today, that what we've been talking about on how Jesus not only can heal physically, but he heals the total human being spiritually as well. God, we thank you that you have paid for the penalty of our sin and that you offer us new life, whole life, that you don't just fill the gap in our life, but you become our abundant life. God, we thank you so much for who you are today. We pray for our church family. We pray for those watching online. Uh, We pray for just a powerful week for your kingdom, Father. May you shine a light in these dark times, God. We thank you for all of this now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.